Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Thank you so much, Pastor. Walked in the lobby this morning and um, I was just overcome with a sense of deep gratitude to God. Deep gratitude to God. And uh, the incident that Pastor recounted, um, boy, you just have to be responsive to the promptings of the Spirit. You have 168 hours every week. How many share that? What about the rest of you? What kind of zone do you live in? How many have 168 hours every week? We're on duty before God 168 hours every week ready for the promptings of the Spirit. To stop, to listen, to pray, to talk, to touch. We're prompted by the Spirit. And, and uh, those Spirit prompts can do incredible things for the kingdom of God. And um, it, it's just uh, significant, Pastor, for me to be here with you and Chrissy and the whole church. Thank you so much for allowing me this awesome privilege. I leaned over to Pastor and I, I said, uh, is it okay if I just call an audible? And uh, he said, sure. So he, and he, somebody came and gave him, so it should be up ready to go on the screen here in a minute. Boy, it's amazing when stuff works, right? It's amazing. Father, we want to concentrate on your word today, not just what it says, we need to know that, but we also need to hear what it says to me and what it says to us and what it says to this church. So let this word today be planted in our minds and in our hearts. Minds that it, it, it embraces our thinking and hearts that it'll produce our passion. Let your word do its work today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want you to stand with me, please. And uh, the scripture from Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 is going to be on the screen. And this was the audible part. And I just feel that, that we need to have this truth refreshed for us today. I want us to read it together in unison, please. His intent was that now through the church. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did everybody catch that phrase? Let me try it again from the top. His intent that was now through the government. Well, what did I say? The government. How many people have their hand out thinking the government is going to solve problems? There is no election that is going to solve the problems of this nation. Let's see if, let's see if we can read it again. His intent was that now, through education. No, that's not going to... I believe in education. And I believe in education. I got a bachelor's, a master's, been to doctoral, the whole deal, man. But that is not the solution. Of all kinds of people that are educated, but it takes more than education. Education alone is not going to get it. Let's try it again. This time, I'm going to behave myself. His intent was that now, through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Pause. Just so that you know what that's saying, that is the devil's world. That is the demon world. That is the world of the arch enemy of our souls. That is the world of Satan himself. And it is through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, read together, should be made known to those rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nudge your neighbor, say, we're the church. Now look at that verse again. Through the church, this manifold wisdom of God is to be made known. First thing we do is put the devil on notice. There's a church in town. There's a church in town. And once we take that authority over the evil one, then the church can be free to see its purpose and mission accomplished in a mighty, powerful way. Father... I pray this truth would grab our hearts today and let, it, let us never be the same again. Let transform our thinking that it is through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ there is hope for this world. Thank you, Father, for your word today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Now, don't you think that if... If this is true, and I think we all embrace the truth of Ephesians 3, that it is through the church, God is designed through the church to get this job done. He, he could have done it any way he wanted to do. You're right, he's God. Just think of the ways he could have done Well, he could have written the message in clouds so people could look at the clouds and hear the word. He could have done that. He could have had a specific breed of birds programmed to sing the gospel to everybody. And so birds would fly around. C could he have done that? You're looking at me like, is he from the ozone or what, man? No, God could have done it any way he wanted to do it. He had to have a plan to pronounce, announce the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had a way to communicate that. He sent Jesus to this world. How is that message going to get out? He says, okay, here's an idea. I'm going to take the redeemed, and I'm going to make them the messengers, and they are going to preach in the whole world. We're the church. Now, don't you think if this is, this is the responsibility that lies on the church's shoulders, don't you think it's important to have a revived church? Revive church. Some people think revival's for sinners. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. Revival isn't for sinners. Revival is for Christians. I got about three amens and one head shake. Let me say that again. Revival is for Christians. See, you can't be revived until you've been vived. Viva. Any Italians in the house? So the people that become alive in Christ, they on occasion need to be revived. 
We need to have a sense of awakening. Some of the words that are used, refreshing, awakening. We need to have the the power and presence of Christ. We need to have it fanned into flame. There's a Bible imagery. Well, what happens to fire? Fire tends to go out. It doesn't matter if it's your fire pit in the backyard or a fireplace or whatever it is. If, if If you've got a fire going and you don't do anything with it, guess what? Fire tends to go out. The fire of God on us. Unless something is done to take care of that flame, that fire, to nurture it, that flame will die down. Hence, we need to be revived, refueled, refired, fired it up. We have to have that as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is it so important? Because it's only through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is going to be made known in this world. A revived church can put the devil on notice. A church that is asleep, the devil doesn't even worry about. A revived church. I will, sister, thank you. Help me. You, you keep helping me. I need all the help. I'm old, man. I need all the help I can get. So, since I've been retired, retired two years ago, and uh, my wife and I decided to take the first year and do what we hadn't been able to do after 50 years of preaching the gospel. I preached my first sermon when I was 16 years old. And um, after 50 years, we decided that it was time to take a break. So the first year, we did absolutely nothing. I didn't even read a book, Pastor Al. Can you believe that? In one year, I, didn't, I enjoyed my wife. We sat down, we relaxed, and we just, it was an amazing year. As we started the second year, last September, we said, okay, Lord, we will take our posture that I committed to when I was 13 years old. At 13 years old, the finger of God literally was put on my chest, just like that. I can still feel it. I was at an altar service praying, just like you were, Pastor, in Kansas City, in Ontario, Canada, at a camp meeting. I was there, and I felt the finger of God right like this at a 13-year-old. And this is what God asked me. Will you give me your life? I was saved. I asked Jesus to forgive my sin after a a horrible life of crime at four years old and I ripped off the quarter candy store. (laughs) And I proved that I was not only a thief but a liar because I went home, my pockets bulging with candy. And uh, my dad says, what's in your pocket? I said, nothing. Where'd you get it? What? And so I was a liar and a thief. And at four years old, my dad had the spiritual discernment to say, this boy needs Jesus. (laughs) So he took me to the back bedroom, and I went to the back bedroom before. I remember that. You know, I've I've been there before. So I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a time. And he said, now let me explain something to you. I was four years old, and he gave me the plan of salvation. God wants to forgive you of your sins. Ripping off the corner candy. You can ask God to forgive you of your sins. You can pray to receive him as Savior. And you know, I'm thinking, okay, so this sounds like a good option to what he was going to give me. (laughs) I prayed to receive Jesus Christ at four years old. Ten years old, I was baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit. 13 years old, will you give me your life? And I added this addendum. 
I said, and I will take any assignment you give me. I've never gone from one church to a larger church. I've always gone from a church to a smaller church. Because I just wanted the assignment where God wanted me to be. And God takes care of it. And so when we started our first year, our second year, we said, okay, back to plan A. God, here we are. We will, take, we will prayerfully consider anything you ask us to do, but we will actively seek nothing. And so we've just been enjoying this year of being where God wants us to be. And it's wonderful. Well, during this past year, I began to pray. I said, God, there is so much need in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much need. Having served as an overseer for 300 congregations for a period of time in a different church every week, and I'm seeing the problems and the difficulty and the hardship, and oh my goodness. And sometimes, sometimes, not here in Tab, not, not here, but some places you have carnality. Do you need, that's a Bible word. Do you need to know what that means? Cop an attitude. Okay, we don't have any of that in the tabernacle, but there's some churches, they have that. You see, if you have carnality, and if you have flesh flashes going on, there's no way the Spirit of God is going to be there. And so I said, God, you got to help me understand what needs to happen, what can happen. So I went to the Scriptures. That's always a good place to go. And um, I did a personal study on characteristics of a revived church. Now, I have uh, 22 points this morning. I just wanted to make sure the sermon wasn't pointless. So I, I got rev, revived church. Now, obviously, we can't get through this, but what I'll do, I've got the, I think it's 15, 20 pages, do, depending on the size of font you use. But I'll just, I'll just forward that file to you, Pastor, to your team. And if anybody wants it, just uh, send them a copy. So you can get all the notes, the scriptures, the outline. You can have all that. Um, but for this morning, I want to just go through quickly and give you the, the 22 points, not talk a lot about it, but I want to focus on one of them today because I think this is a string on the guitar that needs to be tuned. How many got that metaphor? Okay, any guitarists here? Okay, any musicians here? You know that sometimes things get out of tune and the Holy Spirit needs to come and kind of... Bring it into tune with the rest of them. This is one truth. We're going to get to it. One truth that I think needs to be tuned in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. And it being out of tune is hindering us from being the church to make known the manifold wisdom of God to this world. So let me have you stand again and read this scripture. And I promise we're just going to read this scripture. This is the scripture that God put in my heart, Acts chapter 3, 19 and 20. I believe it's on the screen. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Now let me say this, and we're going to read it one more time. This is not a word to the unbelievers. Repentance is something that believers must embrace on a day-by-day -day basis. Repentance is an attitude, an inclination 
toward God. And when life knocks us off of that, we need to continually recalibrate and get back on God and focus on Him and His Word and His ways. Let's read it together with that in mind one more time. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for your word, Lord. I've got uh, 28 of these. I'm going to go through them quickly. You don't need to write them down because you can get them. They're not going to be on the screen. I didn't know how many or whatever was going to happen, so I didn't bore you with all the graphics. Uh, one, a and this is all from Scripture. I've, the handout will give you um, 8, 10, 15, 20 Scriptures for each one of these points for you to do your Bible study with. Uh, a revived church... Do we have one, a revived church graphic? You want to just throw that up there? That's kind of the, the whole thing from here on. A revived church is a church that prays. I can't get away from that. You know it well, Pastor. You know it well. I've been in Brooklyn Tab prayer meeting on a Tuesday night. I know the DNA of this ministry. And you cannot escape it when you go through Scripture. As I went through Scripture, the first thing that confronted me was a revived church, a church that's alive, the church that is powerful in the Spirit is a church that prays. A revived church is committed to proclamation. Unfortunately, in our culture, church culture, preaching has become a profession. That's unfortunate, because that is not the Bible idea at all. Go into all the world and, say it with me, go into all the world and, okay, so who is he talking to? The believers. The mandate to go is not on a few. The mandate to go, that is the operative word for a born-again Christian. It doesn't matter if you go across the street or go across the sea. Wherever you go, we are in go mode as a Christian. And as we go, we need to proclaim. People don't get it by osmosis. Remember, remember Ephesians 3? God's plan, His intention is that the church should make known, proclaim the wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God. And so we go and we proclaim the gospel, the good news, that people do not need to die in sins. You do not need to carry the burden of sin through life. You do not need to be buried with a sense of guilt and shame from your past. You can receive Christ and be free in Him. That is the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. So proclamation, we must embrace this. A revived church, a revived church is a church that proclaims and it's not a profession for a few. It is the activity of all. Proclamation of the good news. Now if I keep talking about all of these, we're going to be here till lunchtime or whatever time. A revived church proclaims with boldness. It's one thing to have, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be discreet in my testimony and my witness. Show me one verse in the Bible where that gives 
instruction to be discreet. Discreet is not the word. Discreet is not the word. Kind of timid and I don't want to offend. Tell that to the apostles in the first century that they didn't want to offend anybody. I think the church many times is so milquetoast, so weak and anemic. A powerful church, a revived church, is a church that will give to proclamation and bold proclamation. Acts you may, you may think that you're going to do this and you're going to tell her that. Well, listen here. I'm telling you, magistrate, we're not going to stop speaking the things which we have seen and heard. That's not timidity. That's boldness. And a revived church will have bold proclamation. A revived church has a message of repentance. And again, that verse we read, that is not primarily focused to unbelievers. I know unbelievers need, need to repent. I understand that. That's true. But we need to repent. I need to repent. It's kind of like this. We're, we're, a, we're up in the air. We're a, like a, a seven, 757, Boeing 757, okay? And we get up, cruising out at 35,000 feet, and the pilots put it on autopilot. And they're up there, you know, watching movies, having coffee. No, not really, just kidding. I mean, they're paying attention. But it's on autopilot. You ever look out the window and see what's going on when a plane's on autopilot? The ailerons are like this. Any pilots in the house? Anybody want to be a pilot? Okay, the ailerons, that's the flaps on the wings. They're going like this. They're constantly adjusting because it's on autopilot. And if this plane is going to keep on course, it needs to have minor tweaks along the way. It has to be recalibrated continually. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we sense the Holy Spirit saying, uh uh, uh, we can't blow that off because if we blow that off, you can't do it. You have to be responsive. The process of repentance is simply agreeing with God. Just simply agreeing with God. So God says, uh, 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 no, no, over here, no, no, stop that. And, and as we follow the prompting of the Spirit, as we listen to the voice of the Lord, then we are staying on course for Him. A church that is revived will live in a, in a process of repentance that is ongoing in our lives. If you want to stay on course, we need to do that. There's more that could be said about, how many think there's more that can be said about that? Okay, the rest of you don't know me very well. Um, how about this? A revived church experiences opposition. I went through the scriptures. It is just unbelievable study. Opposition to the gospel in the book of Acts. It's amazing. Enough said about that. Oh, here. A revived church exudes joy. Now, that is juxtaposed against opposition. We have opposition and we have a joyful church. What? Right now, doesn't compute, doesn't compute. Opposition and persecution, sadness, sorrow. Oh, we're getting... Whoa, whoa. No, no, no. That's not the Bible way. That's not a revived church. They counted it joy that they were worthy to be persecuted for the name of Jesus. 
see a revived church when there's opposition, when there's zoning ordinance, when there's whatever comes against us to try to thwart and undermine the vision of the house. When that happens, we don't no, 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 we have joy. We have joy that the joy of the Lord is our strength. A revived church exudes joy. A revised church emphasizes water baptism. I nudged the pastor. I was just, yeah, when I saw them on us. There's nothing that gets me going more like water baptism. This is death and burial and resurrection. And when they come up out of the water, it's not to come up struggling with the same old sins. It's come to walk in newness of life. A revived church has newness of life. I recall one person that accepted Christ in my ministry. It was just a wonderful salvation experience and, and uh, just a tremendous. Am I doing something wrong here? Okay. Man, I didn't know they were coming to care at Pastor. I didn't know, man. I, I, I thought maybe. Okay. Good. I mean, this is Chicago after a while, you know. I remember that. I remember the day, 15-year-old kid in the neighborhood I lived in, and he was chasing somebody down the street with a loaded, he was popping, you know, letting my, grab my girls and went in the backyard. But anyways, hey, I know, uh, hey, back to the back of the thing here. Water baptism. One man, one man baptized, one man saved. In a matter of two and a half years, over 600 people were in living free ministry. That's what salvation will do off the street, saved, cleaned up, born again, filled with the Spirit, and then empowered to serve. Water baptism, man, amazing. Church, a revived church prays for believers to be filled with the Spirit. A revived church will increase in numbers. I've never seen a church in the New Testament that decreased in numbers. The Lord adds, the Lord adds, the Lord adds, and if that isn't good enough for you, the Lord multiplies, the Lord multiplies, the Lord multiplies. It doesn't divide, it doesn't distort, it doesn't subtract. It's adding and multiplying to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. A revived church will experience that. A revived church will develop organizational structures in it. It was so important that a revived church in Acts 6 to have ministry leaders developed. The Bible word is diaconate, to serve tables. In other words, deacons. Deaconing is a verb, not a noun in the Bible, by the way. It's not a position to hold. It's something you do. You deacon. You serve. And so the first order of structure in a church, the grassroots is that there is ministry leaders developed and it had to be in an organizational way. They appointed some and, and provided that oversight. A, organ, a, a revived church will have church leader structures. This is elders and pastors, leaders in the local church. And then a, a mature church will have apostolic leaders and these are the, the missionaries and the, the reach beyond the walls of the missionary. Apostolic ministry out from. Apostolo means to send out. And so a, an organ, a, a, a revived church that's mature and, and developed will be sending out and impacting around the world for Jesus Christ. And that was just three points of another book I'm going to write sometime. Okay. A revived church will... Uh, exude sacrificial generosity. My final point here. I'll jump to the end. A revived church longs for heaven. 
this string needs to be tuned on our guitar. You see, I've been around long enough to observe a few things. And one of the things I observe is that many times the music, the singing, it's, it's worship, yes, and it's wonderful, and I believe in all that, but there's one string on the guitar that needs to be tuned. If I go through a hymn book of yester century, yester decade, I will see song after song after song after song about heaven. My fear is that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is becoming more a settler than a pilgrim. More a settler than a pilgrim. There's nothing wrong with buildings and so on. Everything that is of the temporal, God gives to us, and we can leverage that for the mission of the church. There's nothing wrong with that. But unless we keep in focus, this is to facilitate. A facilities facilitates the mission. What is the mission? Proclaim the gospel to everyone. Raise up a church. The manifold wisdom of God is made known through the church. So this, this matter of heaven is so, so very important. You know, Abraham, it says in Hebrews, Abraham, he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. How many are like Abraham today? We need to be looking for, this world, the song says, is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up. Abraham was looking for a city with a foundation and whose architect and builder was God. Hebrews also says we have, we do not have an enduring city on this earth, but we are looking for that city that is to come, even heaven itself. It's longing in our heart. Our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians says. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await. We eagerly await. There is a heaven. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. There is a heaven. We're not left in this earth. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. A revived church has a sense that Jesus is coming. Even in the text we read, the second text in Acts 3, we talk about a refreshing time of refreshing will come and that he may send the Christ. Right there in revival, refreshing is the fact that he's going to send the Lord Jesus to, to, to claim us for himself. Keeping with his promises, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, listen, are you looking forward to that? One short story. It's an amazing scene. My mom and dad... They've both gone to be with the Lord in the last uh, three and a half years. My mom was in a nursing home for nine years, stroke patient. My dad, for the last five years, shared that room with her, and he was having serious dementia. And so with, her back and, with, with his back and her brains, they got along fine for five years, just wonderful. They filled 68 years of marriage. But it came time, and my mother... Often, often, I would see her take her good hand and she'd pat her leg and she'd say, Paul, German she was, Brubacher, Paul, I just want to go and be with Jesus. I just want to go and be with Jesus. And she'd say that. And my sister, my older sister, was there in the room when the angels came literally 
Dad was in a wheelchair, and he's pretty much, you know, he doesn't really know too much what's going on around. In fact, in the last six months, I only heard him say two words. I was talking to him on, a, on the phone, and it was just a monologue on his birthday, his last birthday, 91. And I said, hey, Pop, it's been a while since Mom's gone, man. You guys had a great run, you know, 68 years. And so you just come up air every once in a while when you do the monologue. And, and one of the times that I took a break in speaking, two words as clear as a bell. I never heard him speak in a year. He said, good woman. Good woman. In that setting, the day came. God's appointed time came. And all of a sudden, my sister, she was right there watching this. And the, my younger sister was there too. My two sisters were there in the room. They said, all of a sudden, mom went like this. And as soon as she did that, my dad went like this. And they both stared. And in a moment, the Spirit left my mother and went to be with Heavenly Father. And my dad, Sargo, tell you why we long for heaven. There's a time when we will be with Jesus. And everything on this earth will fade away. Since we have been raised with Christ, since we have been raised with Christ, set your hearts, your passions, your desires, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Father, by your Spirit, I pray that you will bring this truth home. Father, by your Spirit, bring this truth home. Would you stand with me, please? Oh, God, we surrender to you. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know if you know this course here or not, but would you be able to just follow along if I start singing something? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace Sing it again Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strange to change that from an invitation to a proclamation. And I want you, Chicago Tap, ever to be mindful of your purpose on earth. We are pilgrims. We're passing through. 
Everything of the temporal God avails to us to leverage for the eternal. Whether that's money in our pocket, whether that's building on Cicero, whatever it is, God gives all the temporal avails that to us to leverage it for the eternal. And there's a whole lot of temporal represented in this room, in this church, in our churches. There's a whole lot of temporal, but it needs to be leveraged for the eternal. And so I challenge you to make this a declaration. I'm going to turn my eyes toward Jesus. I'm going to look full in his wonderful face. Time with the Savior, I tell you, it'll transform thinking, transform heart, transform priorities. It'll renew programs. It'll refresh the saints. Time with the Savior. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.